We are going to be reading the scripture this morning, and it's pretty long, so we're, we're double, double teaming. Um, we're reading out of Luke 2, verses 1 through 21, ESV version, if you guys want to follow along. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there is no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, and will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. And at that end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Thank you, Raquel. Thank you, Evie. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the great joy it is to gather this way. Lord Jesus, thank you for making a way for us to come boldly before your throne of grace because of who you are and what you've done for us. You are great, you are awesome, and we would do well to fear you, and yet the exhortation is to fear not. Thank you that you call us your sons and daughters, that you welcome us into your presence, you invite us to draw near. Lord, would you help us, help us to have hearts that are quiet, soft, attentive to the things that you want to say to us this morning, the ways that you want to to touch our hearts, to heal us, 
to transform us, to make us more like your children, the people that you've created us to be. We love you, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. My name's Simon, um, if we've not met. Um, I'm the pastor here at Grace City um, in Portland, just one of a several, te- several team, one of several leaders, a team, a team of leaders. <laughs> I'm just here to serve, just here to serve. I'm a leader and I serve, that's what I do. And I talk, I try to talk. Um, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, it's a really big deal. Um, I have this, this growing conviction, this deepening conviction um, that it's, it's a gift um, and, and it's, a, it's important that we gather together. I'm so, so blessed. I know that we have uh, people joining us online every week. Welcome. So glad that you can, you can join us in that way. Um, but man, what a gift it is to, to come together, to sing together, um, and to invite the Lord to do um, what he does in a very unique way when his people gather like this. So thank you. Thank you for, uh, for making this a priority and being with us this morning. If, as Casey said, if you're kind of new, if you're visiting, new-ish, I, I just want to welcome you especially and say that we're a church who exists. We're trying to exist such that anyone might experience truth, grace, and ultimately new life in Jesus Christ, um, which means no matter where you're coming from, no, no matter where you currently stand or what you might call yourself, spiritually speaking, um, our hope is that this can be a community where, where we can all grow together, where we can look to God's word, submit ourselves uh, to the authority of scripture, but to do that in a way that's really honest and humble and without pretense and trust that, that Jesus is here to help us um, and that we're in this together. So I hope that encourages you. Uh, you don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend. We're all here to, to learn and to grow together. Um, and what a morning. What a morning. What a season. I love the Christmas story. Who doesn't, right? Um, I was chatting with a friend earlier this week. Uh, who was I talking to? We, we, were, we were discussing whether, who on earth doesn't celebrate Christmas in some, some form or another? I mean, where could you go on planet Earth? Um, we were talking about uh, a buddy of mine who's from China. And I thought, I, I know that the church exists. I mean, there's definitely Christians and Western influence in China. But for sure, I would imagine there's pockets um, in certain places, perhaps like that around the world, where maybe uh, the Christmas story hasn't been told. Um, but what a story. What a story. And all who heard it wondered. There's something about this season and the Christmas story that evokes wonder. Don't you love the wonder of Christmas? And I realize that perhaps not all of us uh, experience that wonder. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm quite aware, I think I'm aware of the fact that for many, like this is not a season of wonder. This is a season to simply get through. 
um, because it's dark and it's cold and it brings up memories that aren't full of wonder or joy. And that's hard. That's hard. If you, if you find yourself struggling to enjoy the wonder of Christmas, uh, just get around Casey Crane or my daughter. <laughs> it's contagious. It really is. It is contagious. Um, gosh, I even went out and bought myself a Christmas sweater, which I may be rocking Friday evening. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, but my daughter, Evie, who read this morning. Well done, Evie. I think she's downstairs now with Kid City. Uh, not a day goes by that she doesn't grab me. We have this moment, and you can just see the wonder in her eyes. Eleven days till Christmas. Ten days till Christmas. And then she'll tell me about how it's, so, it's getting harder and harder to sleep because all she can think about is that tree and those lights and all the gifts, which currently are just Amazon boxes in our bedroom, but they will be wrapped. <laughs> and there's just this wonderful, contagious sense of wonder that somehow is connected with Christmas, this wonderful story. And all who heard it wondered. Um, Can you remember the wonder that you felt as a child? Don't we need more of that in our lives? Isn't that one of the the beautiful things or potentially the beautiful things about this season is that it it takes us back there and reminds us of just how, what a gift um, wonder is in life and how much we need it. How mundane or hard or uh, monotonous can life become if it weren't for moments like Christmas we're reminded to just simply stop and wonder. Um, there's a lot of ways, not just Christmas, that we might experience wonder in life. There's the wonder as we um, get out in and enjoy the majesty of a nature creation. There's the wonder of a child coming into the world. Have you ever experienced that? Obviously not everyone has, but my goodness, there's nothing quite like that. There's the wonder of the human form. There's the wonder of an epic tale, a book that you just, you almost begin to feel sad towards the end because you simply don't want it to end. It's just that good of a story. It's like that movie um, that you simply, you know it's been like two and a half hours, so the end's coming, but you just don't want it to end. I can remember vividly that the feeling of wonder when I saw my very first movie on the big screen. You, know, you want to know what it was? The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> right? Episode five. Of course, back then there was no, I mean, you know you never noticed at the beginning, episode four, episode five. Anyway, I can remember seeing it on the big screen. Oh, the wonder, the wonder, the majesty. <laughs> My kids and I uh, were 
we've been watching all nine episodes Thursday night. We're almost done. I think we have one left, actually. We're, we're committed. The wonder of God's grace. The wonder of forgiveness, of hope. The wonder of joy. The wonder of being given a chance to start over. The wonder of redemption. The wonder of salvation. In the New Testament, we're told that these are things in which angels long to look into. The wonder of God coming to be with us. The wonder of Emmanuel. That word wonder, um, and they wondered at all they had heard. It's actually a word that you find uh, quite a bit in the New Testament. The mazo is the Greek word. It sounds Italian to me, but it's Greek. The mazo, or the mazo. Uh, sometimes it's translated as, and they marveled, or they were astonished, they were amazed, or they wondered. It's not the same as, uh, and Mary pondered all of these things. That Greek word is symbolo. It's to meditate on or think about. The word wonder is exactly what it sounds like. To simply wonder. To sit in amazement. To bask in the majesty of the gift. The wonder of God Come to be with us. Let me give you a few examples of where else we see this, this word or this idea of wonder. Um, I picked out just five good examples out of the New Testament. Matthew 8, 27. Jesus commanded the storm to be still, and the men marveled or wondered, saying, What sort of man is this? that even winds and sea obey him. Matthew 9, 33. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke and the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. Matthew 15, 31. And great crowds came to him, bringing Jesus their sick and disabled friends, and the crowd wondered when they saw the mute man speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Luke 24, 12. After hearing reports that Jesus had been alive back from the dead, Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. It's all the same word. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Buckle up. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction 
away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at, at all who have believed. He is the God of all wonder. And all who heard it wondered. What would it feel like to live a life full of wonder? Where this was like a normal part of our life. We just took a quick survey of the New Testament. This is, this is part of what life looks like when we follow Jesus long enough He begins to move and to speak and to act and there's an expectation, a looking forward to moments where God will show up and leave his people simply basking in his majesty, in his beauty, in his grandeur, in his holiness. Everything goes still and we wonder, we wonder. What would it look like to live a life marked by wonder? The kind of wonder that would cause a multitude of angels to erupt in praise, overwhelmed by the wonder of his glory. The kind of wonder born out of hearing good news of great joy. This was the story that left everyone who heard it simply wondering. What is God up to? The problem with wonder, this is where the preacher is meant to add tension. The problem with wonder is that we either simply don't expect it or we go looking for it in all the wrong places. The problem is we don't expect it because we're too easily satisfied with uh, spiritual life hacks. This could be the cynic in me, forgive me, but I think the church um, in a lot of ways has forgotten just the wonder of God. We, we want tips and tricks and life hacks for greater comfort and blessings. And God wants to comfort us and bless us. But not just those things. There's an absolute uh, benefit to living a godly life, applying a wisdom, truth, as God speaks to us in his word um, for the difficult things of life, for marriage, for, for uh, health, for finances, for like all of the stuff of real life. And that's good, that's helpful. But what about the wonder? What about after, after we've tried everything and it doesn't ever quite work out the way we'd like it to, you know, like perfectly? What about the simple fact that God is still with us and that if we'll pause, if we'll be still, if we'll quiet our hearts and sit 
at the feet of our Savior. He can overwhelm us with wonder. Perspective returns. There's joy to be had. We're too easily satisfied with spiritual life hacks. We don't expect it because we rarely experience the sheer joy and wonder of God's nearness because we've reduced his presence down to mere precepts and pro tips, forgetting that by his spirit he is with us, eager to speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us, and fill our hearts every day with his unrelenting love simply by coming to him with empty hands, willing to sit at his feet and say, Lord, I'm weak. I need you. I can do nothing apart from you. And basking in his grace, his goodness. And all who heard it wondered. Some of us, um, we don't expect it because we have forgotten that we serve a God of all wonder. Some of us are suspicious of what I'm saying right now because it can feel slightly hypish or sensational or an appeal to emotion, which is why I took my time to read through several excerpts from the New Testament. It's none of those things. It's simply what happens when we follow Jesus. Conversely, sometimes we can find wonder constantly eluding us because sometimes we're simply looking in all the wrong places. We want more wonder. We're dying to experience the the beauty, the wonder of God, and we go looking for it. Where Where anything shines, you can find a Christian running after it. You know, you won't find wonder by looking for it. You won't find anything from God by looking for it, which is why we must seek him and his kingdom first, and then everything else will be added to us. How often do we make the mistake of thinking that the thing we're looking for can be found by pursuing it rather than the creator himself? Sometimes we don't find wonder or true, lasting wonder. Because we are looking outside of the creator himself. God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, can be clearly perceived in creation and the things that have been made. But the wonderful things of this world, like marriage, like really good sex, like an amazing conversation with a best friend, like summoning the mountain, like amassing wealth. You can get a rush out of all of these things, and there is wonder to be found, but true lasting wonder isn't found in those things, those created things. They're found in the creator himself. The temporary expressions of wonder aren't meant to become our destinations. These things can be good, but they can end up 
terribly disappointing us if we forget these are things meant to point us to the source. This is Romans chapter 1. Humans have always struggled with trying to make idols out of wonderful things, forgetting that they're only ever meant to point us onwards. To remind us that there is a God in heaven who has come close. He's made all of these things to reveal aspects of himself, but only so that we might go looking for him, only to discover that he's been looking for us all along. And all who heard it wondered. Christian wonder is rarely found in the Gucci shop. No matter how many times we go back. You guys know the Gucci shop? The one in Pioneer Square? I was there with Evie. Not in the Gucci shop in the mall, walking by the Gucci shop. They had a velvet red thing, rope, with a line, and with like a, a guy in a tuxedo with a clipboard. It was like, a, like a, an exclusive club that people were lining up to get in, and man, it was shiny. Just walking by made me think, I've got to get in there. Surely that's where the wonder's at. The journey of Christian wonder begins in a manger. In a manger. In a barn. With presumably not many shiny things about. With no fanfare. Just God. And Christ. Emmanuel. Christian wonder, it's, it's something altogether different. It's wonderful in itself. Found in the dark places, in the dirty places, the unexpected places. God likes to hide in this secret place. Where you find broken people, hungry people. People dying for hope. It's a paradoxical kind of hope. It's a hope that's only found in the hopeless places. This is the wonder of God. And all who heard it wondered. The story of Christian wonder begins in a manger, culminates in the clouds. The disciples looking up, simply wondering, what? Uh, just happened to us. Begins in a major, culminates in the clouds, and can never, ever, ever be told without the cross being central. The story of Christian wonder is a story of wonder found in dark places, painful places, hopeless places, broken places, forgotten places. Places that seem like this is dead. There's no coming back from here. There's no redemption. 
There is no way we can fix this or hype this back to life. This is where the wonder of God is found as experience. As we remember the story, as we tell ourselves the story, as we meditate on the story of God in Christ, Emmanuel, the king of the universe, the great one, the almighty who comes down and is close to us, who dies for us, and then who pursues us with relentless passion, inviting us home. And all who heard it wondered. And all who heard it wondered. This is good news. This is good news of great joy. Imagine those shepherds on the side of that hill. We've all heard about shepherds. Dirty people. Social outcasts. The forgotten. The unwanted. It's the job no one grows up hoping they get. God chooses to reveal himself to those people. This is how God rolls. This is Christian wonder. And I'm emphasizing this because if there were ever a season where we need to be reminded and we need to remind ourselves that no matter how dark it might feel, there's wonder to be found. Remind yourself. Resist the temptation to simply scramble and cling for control, looking for the next tip. How am I going to fix this? What principle am I going to apply? What podcast do I need to listen to? How can I make all of the feelings just change or go away? Jesus said in this life we will have trouble, lots of it, of all sorts and kinds. But take heart, I've overcome the world and all who heard it wondered. Before the service this morning, um, several of us were praying. By the way, if you ever want to come early and pray with us before the service, you're very welcome. 9.15 every Sunday. While we're praying, we were very intentional to uh, listen I personally believe that prayer is it's better thought of as conversation with God. We talk, God talks, primarily through his word, but oftentimes it can, God reminds us of the things that he has said as he speaks to our hearts. And so we listen. And one of the things that we felt God was saying to us this morning that um, he wants us to have quiet hearts that we would be still and do a million things, go out and buy all the stuff, try to manufacture some sense of Christian wonder because we miss it so bad and our lives are just so hard. We No, just sit, be still, quiet yourself as we pray that ancient prayer, Lord Jesus, come.
Oh, Jesus, come. And all who heard it wondered. The um, story that comes to mind, uh, I don't know how I always get on these uh, Dr. Seuss trips, but as I was uh, praying this week, it just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And I, I thought, man, he really, he really encapsulates it well. I don't want to say that it, it was a Christian book. Maybe, I don't know. But How the Grinch Stole Christmas. There it is. You guys know the story. For 53 years, old Mr. Grinch listened to the Who's in Whoville with their joy and their cheer. And he hated it. It annoyed him to no end. Until finally, one year, he decided he, would, he, would, he couldn't take it anymore. And he dresses up as Santa, and he, of course he needs a reindeer, and he heads down Mount Crumpet on Christmas Eve, and he steals all the gifts, thinking that he's going to ruin Christmas once and for all. Before anyone awakes, he begins to make his ascension, his 3,000-foot ascension back up to the top of Mount Crumpet. And just before dawn breaks, he stops and thinks to himself, I'd love to listen to their cheer now. Thinking that he's going to hear them all crying, boo-hoo, those pathetic who's down in Whoville. He listens, and instead of hearing crying, he hears something else. Let me read this to you. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three times, three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight... He whizzed with his load through the bright morning light and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast and he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beef. Can I invite the worship team to come up, please? The one caveat that I would add to that story is that sometimes, sometimes in this life, we don't get all the presents back. Sometimes in this life, things are just hard. But Jesus said that I wouldn't leave you if I wasn't going to prepare a place for you. 
Part of the Christian story is that we live um, with this expectant, um, this, this um, what's the word? With expectation and anticipatory joy. Now that's the story of Christmas. Anticipatory joy. The presents aren't even that great anyway. I know exactly what's in those boxes. They're not that great. It's not about the presents. God's present to us is himself. And whether we experience uh, the fullness of redemption in this life or the next, we still have reason to sing Christmas morning. Because God is with us. He'll never leave us. And no matter how hard it gets, and I know it gets hard. I know it gets hard. No matter what life looks like, no matter what you're going through, no one can change that fact. Nothing in heaven or on hell can change the fact that God is with us. He's with his people. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And that's the great gift. That's the great present. We have reason to sing this morning. And all who heard it wondered. And all who heard it wondered. Can we stand? Lord Jesus, as we open our hearts to you, you help us to receive from you afresh this morning we want to we need to be filled afresh with all that you are the fullness of all that you are your love your joy your hope your wonder what a great gift and all who heard it wondered